two years ago, a film came out that resonated with so many different people. Rob McCallum, coming off the hit documentary Nintendo Quest, decided he wanted to do something different for one of the biggest challenges of his life, the search for his missing mom. Hey everyone, this is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, here today for Missing Mom, a retrospective. It's been, like I said, two years since the movie's come out. It's still, to this day, a big hit, especially on Amazon. In fact, let me tell you right now, if you've not seen the movie yet, head on over to Amazon.com. You can actually, if you're part of Amazon Prime, you can watch it right now. It is truly a great documentary. In fact, that's why we're here today, because there's been such a great response from you, the fans out there, on Missing Mom. It's won numerous awards from numerous movie festivals out there, film festivals galore have praised it. And here today with me are directors Jordan C. Morris and Rob McCallum. Guys, it's great to have you on the show talking about the awesome movie and documentary known as Missing Mom. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here, although you and all our listeners probably hear from me quite frequently on a weekly basis, but it's cool to switch gears and do a little bit of a case study instead of talking about some of the uh, the bigger budget studio films and what's going on with them. So thanks uh, for taking the time to make this work for us. This is a deviation from our normal venture into pop culture. If you haven't heard the Pop Culture Cosmos before, just want to let you know we're on twice a week talking the latest news and trends in pop culture. You can check us out at any point in time on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and seven days a week on online radio and, and tons of podcast outlets. But we're here today to talk Missing Mom. Guys, uh, it's just great having you here again. How has your, I guess, perspective on as far as response from fans? Because I know you guys, when you worked on Nintendo Quest, and I know you both had a significant hand on that successful project. That was very much different than what you were working on when it comes to Missing Mom. I'll start off with you, Jordan. How, how's that response different from the success from Nintendo Quest? Well, Nintendo Quest had, I guess, a more obvious built-in audience, right? The retro gaming crowd took an interest in it almost immediately. And many of the people in that crowd fantasized about putting together a complete collection so there was a curiosity immediately as well as to how our uh, our hero so to speak may or may not pull that off but missing mom is really different in that it's got a more universal appeal because everybody's got a family with some kind of problems built into it and most families these days are fractured to some degree so people kind of fall away and um, not necessarily go missing per se but you lose track of people in your family tree and you wonder what happened to them and want to know how to reconnect with them. Rob's story was an extreme one in that his mother went missing for a quarter of a century and as far as he knew, nobody really tried to find her and there were a lot of conflicting stories about what happened. So eventually, you know, he'd been carrying around that weight with him for his entire life. And one morning he basically woke up and decided that he was going to try to solve the mystery and called me very excited with the idea. We hashed out a couple of just simple building blocks for how the story might go together because we had no idea what we were getting into. I should say at this point, there could be potential spoilers for people who haven't seen the film. Uh, if, if you haven't seen the film, pause this, go watch it on Amazon Prime, rate it five stars, and then pick up where you left off. 
I won't give away anything too important here, not at least for this exchange, but we, we just didn't know what we were going to find. So that made the whole experience really different. And beyond that, because there's this universal kind of uh, theme about family and fractured families, people from all over the world have been chiming in and they're vastly like most mostly they're just complete strangers to us and they're they're coming in from all around the world saying you know i've had a similar situation or I lost track of my brother sister mother father and your story really inspired me and i'm going to reach out and try to figure out what happened to them and that's really moving so it was really great to watch how excited everyone got to see the adventure that jay went through on nintendo quest but it's really moving and it means a lot to me and i think rob as well that this particular movie, Missing Mom, has been able to stir people and inspire people to at least attempt to kind of bring their families back together. And uh, that's really satisfying. And I do want to reiterate again that there may be spoilers during this podcast. So if you haven't seen it yet, I truly recommend that you do. I just also want to say if, if you want another reference guide, you could just go to popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. I do have a review of Missing Mom up there that I, when I originally saw it uh, a couple of years ago, and, and let's just say I recommend it quite highly. But be that as it may, if you haven't had a chance to catch it yet, catch it now on Amazon Prime or Vimeo or any other outlet that you can get it on. Go ahead, watch it, review it, give it five stars. We truly appreciate it. So, you know, like I said, it is a story. And like Jordan said, it is a story of a man questing along with his brother to find his missing mom. And just a great title. It connects with so many different people. Rob, I know I've spoken about this before with you over the past couple of years. In fact, leading up into the film's release, your emotions and as far as where this originated from, obviously the many years that you did not have your mom in your life it built up to something to where you felt so compelled that you needed to go ahead and search for her and also document this at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's funny that you asked Jordan, how is this different than Nintendo quest? Because in some ways it was Nintendo quest that lit that initial fire more than anything. People said what Jay was trying to do in Nintendo quest would be impossible. And that's a word that really gets me going. When I hear something is impossible, I get crazy excited to prove them wrong just for the sake of proving them wrong. So I was sitting there playing Child of Light, the Ubisoft game on, uh, I think it was PS4 at the time. And it's about this girl trying to get back to her father while she's trapped in this fantasy realm. And I thought, wow, the most impossible thing for me would be to try to track down my mom. Nobody had seen her for almost 25 years, which is a huge time gap to try to cover and figure out. There was literally no leads. It was like complete silence from the last time we saw her on. There was no like, you know, trickle of communication. And nobody through every kind of corner of our family tree had heard anything. So it's not like she pulled away from one group and kind of chummed with another group. It was, you know, all stop, 90 degree turn, and she was gone. So the fact that it was so impossible was a huge alluring fact, especially in the face of making Nintendo Quest. And the second thing to what Jordan was saying about some of the early reactions and people reaching out to us, the thing that I knew right away was if I do this journey and I film it, it'll at least give other people the courage 
an inspiration to maybe take on their journey as well. And even if I'm not successful, maybe they will be successful because the they'll see the struggles that uh, I was willing to go through in order to find my mother. Some great thoughts right there. Once again, I have Jordan C. Morris and Ron McCallum, the directors of Missing Mom. It's available today on Amazon Prime. I will ask you this, Jordan. I, when I first saw the film, and actually when I first saw the trailers, obviously the one thing that stood out to me, and this is not really a spoiler because, again, you can watch this in the trailer, is the, I don't want to say apathy per se, but almost like a harsh reality that Rob's family did not want his mom to be found. When you were actually filming this and actually directing this and hearing this for the first time, what were your thoughts and reactions to that being someone that's obviously not in the family, but seeing how this is all playing out? Well, it was fascinating. And beyond that, it, everybody had a slightly different story. So that really made it uh, an interesting exercise to interview Rob's extended family and just hear everyone's perspective on his mother based on their memories and their interactions with her. And then either their speculation or some version of their own story of what happened and why she disappeared and what may have happened to her since. And very few of them were really similar. So it was just a really great mystery. Like what on earth would drive this family apart in such a dynamic way? And how is it possible that everyone remembers it slightly differently? You know, so there was definitely a, a lot of a communication breakdown and some skeletons uh, that we had to sort through to, to get to the truth. I think that was the driving force. Whether or not we could ever put together a happy ending was never the goal. It was just about finding out the truth uh, and then using that hopefully to be able to inspire other people to go and kind of heal over their old wounds as well. Because it's something that clearly Rob had been carrying around with him for a long time and it affected his life on a daily basis. What happened to my mom? Why did she leave? Why, why don't I have a mom like everybody else does? Once he started mentioning that he was going to be going down this road, I took a further look. I wrote some articles. I wrote some papers and interviewed him on it. And you can tell the emotion about how much has, it has weighed upon him for so many years throughout the various places that he's lived in. He's never been able to, to escape that ghost, so to speak, as far as where his mom is at, what happened to her. I want to ask you, Rob. A lot of the time of the film is spent with your brother. And I've asked you this before, but I want you to re-elaborate on your thoughts about teaming up with your brother, the time spent with him, because you two not were not exactly having the closest relationship in the world because of logistics and things of that nature. But before you asked him to go ahead on this adventure to find your missing mom. Well, I mean, there there's some filmmaker reasons and then there's there's some just practical reasons, right? Like it makes sense for me to have somebody on screen to talk to so that the audience can hear what's in my head and that somebody should be somebody that can relate to the subject matter and the overall film. And there's really nobody better than my brother because in some ways he's in the exact same shoes as me. We both don't have a mom and it's the same person. I don't think you could do that with my uncle. I don't think you could do it with a cousin or anything like that because the relationship wouldn't just line up perfectly. And so, like, I remember after I had talked to Jordan and got excited about, you know, okay, if this, this is going to be the next project, I think there's enough legs here. Every, you know, family member that I called, I was nervous about bringing up the subject of, 
hey, so I'm making a movie, and I think I'm going to try to see what happened to my mom. But Chris was the first person I called, even ahead of my grandparents, because if they weren't on board, uh, it wouldn't necessarily matter to the same degree as having you know that sidekick. And he'll tell you that I was the sidekick, but I gave him second billing, so I win. It's ultimately a question that him and I have both had, you know, where is our mom, whatever happened to her? And we both have a different way of looking at it and are affected by it, you know, differently, of course, but I needed him to kind of be on board more than anybody else because he's has the same vested interest in answering that question. Uh, he comes at it from a very more logical point of view. You know, he's a police officer, so he really likes to look for that, that truth, not what one person says versus another person, but what is, what is the real truth and fact behind everything. So he was super curious. He says, you know, at least at the beginning, he didn't have the emotional tie that I may have had because he didn't have any memories of her. So he wasn't really driven by any kind of ego need to know to complete oneself or to inform one's identity. He was just really curious and had a vested interest in knowing more about what happened. So it really lined up to be the, per the perfect person to come on board. And it was a really great chance for us to hang out, which sounds like a strange thing to say, like, okay, you got to make a movie to try to find your mom as a reason to hang out. But, you know, he was living, you know, seven hours north of Winnipeg. I was living in Las Vegas. As you said, logistics made it really hard for us to be together. Uh, when I went to college in, in Toronto area, we got to see each other more because he was living on the other side of Toronto. So we spent a lot of time there. We grew up spending summers together, but we didn't grow up in the same household. So we've always kind of had a, a, a disconnected relationship, but we do our best to stay in touch as, as any kind of family members would do. And, you know, it's always been the elephant in the room when we were together. You know, we're together because of our mom, but at the same time, we're not going to kind of acknowledge that she's no longer around us. We're just going to enjoy the time together. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. I want to ask you, Jordan, now, when you finished the film and you started seeing some of that feedback from it, or when you actually watched the first run-throughs of it, even before it started winning some acclaim as far as from all those different film festivals, what were your initial thoughts when you actually saw the film in its first true form? Well, you always wonder how the audience is going to respond, because your first job as a filmmaker is to elicit an emotional response from your audience. So we did a couple of test screenings and we were confident in it, but you never really know. But even in those very early test screenings, people were moved to tears, which was a, a real surprise. And uh, it was exciting to know that the story was having that kind of an effect on people and it resonated that way with strangers because we pulled in people that we didn't know as well. You can't really trust your friends and family when you produce a work of art. You know, They're going to applaud for you no matter what. Especially if they're in the film, too, and they could be biased about how they look on screen, how yeah. things are being presented, especially like Jordan said, given that everybody had a different point of view, it's going to shock people that are a part of this story, at least. And I will say this, Rob McCallum is probably the worst person to have when he's screening his own film, because he'll be, from my personal experience, standing. He does not even actually want to sit down for his own screenings. He'll actually be like, 
somewhere way, way in the back. If he hasn't chewed off his nails, he probably will. <laughs> I remember Nintendo Quest when we saw one of the initial screenings, and he almost chewed off Jay Bartlett's nails too, along with it. So he was, you know, just just a ton of nerves. And I'm sure if my nails would have been around him, he would have chewed those off too. But I understand that it was starting to get some real, real love out there. But I really didn't myself, on a personal nature, think that much of it. I thought it was a really great documentary until. I started seeing those awards pop up all over the place, and I just had to say, you know what, Rob? I think I really want to check out this film. I'm really happy for you that you went on this adventure, but my goodness, Rob, when those awards started popping up and you started having to add it and attach all those awards after it as far as from all those different film festivals, how good of a feeling was that for both you and Jordan on what you had created? Well, this goes back to one of the earlier questions you asked, Jordan. What was like the response to people when they heard about the project or how did it compare and contrast differently to Nintendo Quest? As Jordan said, Nintendo Quest had a, a built-in target audience and we had run a Kickstarter for it before we shot anything. It was me on a couch saying, wouldn't it be cool if you could have an entire complete Nintendo collection? So I dared my best friend who's always wanted to do it. And he's only got 30 days and everybody just thought it was cool and fun. With this, I had learned a little bit more about Kickstarter and I said, no, we gotta do some shooting so we can actually put together a proper trailer for it so we can showcase what this is instead of it just being a sob story about how I wanna look for my mom, I wanted to showcase what was involved. So, you know, I cobbled together some money and I said, let's shoot for a couple of weeks in November and, you know, make the trailer. And we shot a bunch of stuff you know, that was specifically just for the trailer where I'm talking to Jordan and he's asking me questions and we interview Chris just to have trailer sound bites. And that and, trailer uh, is truly effective uh, as far as a selling point. And I think that's what gets a lot of people. That was really a master stroke. Nobody seemed to care about this film, though. My family was not excited. They didn't really like it too much early on when they realized how much it was going to be about uh, specifically trying to find my mom versus the missing person phenomena in general. And that was something we were going to weave in depending on how far we got in our journey. And once it got more and more about uh, finding my mom, my family kind of bowed out from any kind of real connection to the piece. I did end up running a Kickstarter for it for some post-production funds. It barely made any traction. We hit our goal, but we raised 2,500 of the 2,000 that we were looking for. So even though, you know, you say the trailer is effective, it's a universal subject like Jordan mentions. Everybody has a mom. Everybody has a family. It never really caught on. It, it felt for the longest time like nobody cared about this project and it's great that it exists. It was like your personal project to you and that's pretty much was it. Yeah, it felt like, okay, well, I had done this and I had learned a lot and I did some shortcuts based on what I learned from Nintendo Quest and I think it came out well and, you know, that's that. We had a lot of trouble with distributors. They all loved it but they couldn't find a right home for it. You know, we would take it internationally and it never really found big wide distribution. And, and after really kind of stopping to let other people do the work, I said, you know what, forget it. I believe in the film. It's, it made a lot of waves at the festivals, like you mentioned, winning best documentary, some best director honors, best foreign documentary. I just wanted to put it out there myself and see, okay, how, bad is the film like do people care about it all is it effective it's got to be something we've heard from people we've seen them cry we know it's won awards but yet nobody's touching it 
and so that's why it's on Amazon.com today. It was an experiment uh, to put it up through Prime because we really had nothing to lose by putting it out there. But it did pay off, and it has paid off very well. Is you've gotten a large following. It's gotten a lot of great reviews. If you want to check it out, it is Missing Mom. It is available on Amazon Prime and Amazon.com. You can watch it day. Whether or not you have Prime, you can actually buy it, rent it as well if you need to. It is a movie well worth watching. Like I said earlier, I was just saying, okay, that's his mom project. I'm really happy that he's actually going on the search. But I didn't even think too much of it until even with an effective trailer until he started winning those awards and I saw him post up one and I saw him post up another and another and another and I'm seeing it and I'm going to myself that this movie must be really special. I, I really need to go ahead and focus in more of it and not just focus in on his other projects that he's always doing. This is not so only something that was personal for him but it seems to be resonating with an audience out there. Jordan, I want to ask you your time directing the film and directing not only Rob but everybody else in there, were there really any hard times as far as, uh, or just times that, that the family itself wouldn't cooperate as far as with the whole venture's concern? Because Rob obviously has mentioned that several times during our recording today and previously in the past about how difficult it was to get the family together to even collaborate on this, such a venture like this. And Jordan, maybe set up how that directing schema worked so people understand and why we chose to go that way. It really was necessary in this particular case. I've been a producer uh, with, for Rob on a couple of other projects, but in this case, uh, because he was so close to the subject matter and because it was going to involve interviewing most of his family and extended family, the interviews would have been kind of colored in a certain way had they been talking to Rob, one of their own relatives. So we wanted to try to make sure that the, the interviews were really neutral and that people weren't being careful with Rob or trying to feed Rob something that he wanted to hear or, again, avoiding things that he didn't want to hear. So, you know, Rob would take a back seat whenever we were doing any of the interviews and I would ask all of the questions and listen to these people speak. We would just let them, we had some questions to ask everybody, some general questions that we'd hit everybody with, but then we just let everybody talk and try to disarm them as best I could so that they would uh, not ramble on forever, but I would just want them to talk about whatever they were feeling about the subject and about his missing mom so that we could get as close to their truth out of them and then try to weave the bigger picture, a whole truth, universal truth together after the fact. It was really, really different. Uh, I had never gone through anything quite like that before. And again, it was just fascinating because nobody's story is matched, really. But you asked about whether or not the, the family was trying to, you know, hamstring us in any way. And I didn't feel that was the case until the film was quite far along at the very least. And it wasn't like they were blocking anything, but they just got a lot less excited about it when it became obvious that the movie was also about them and about their experience through this. And I don't think anybody likes to be put under a microscope or examined or kind of not get forced, but I mean, when you're watching the film, you really have to witness your own words and your own attitude to the subject that's being explored. And some people, I think, were kind of surprised at how they sounded and their position on the whole thing, because a lot has changed since. You know, it's nice to inspire and inspire growth in people with your 
subject matter as a filmmaker, and sometimes that growth can be really painful. And I think that's the kind of thing that the family was going through because it's obviously so personal, and the subject matter was really painful for a lot of members of the family. Now, Rob, before we get into some of these actual responses, reviews, and, and things of that nature, I want to ask you real quick, I know I've spoken to you before about this in regards to your emotions as you went on. Well, actually, you can just call it an emotional roller coaster. I know I, that's been thrown out there with so many different movies, but it is, if you watch Missing Mom, or if you have watched Missing Mom, you can actually see Rob, his brother, going through that emotional roller coaster. Tell me as far as your thoughts and memories now, now that it's been two, three years since you've recorded this movie, that what are some of the recollections that you have as far as your emotions as you were going through this ride? I'm not going to throw out the major spoilers, whether or not you do find your mom or not. Uh, I'm going to let you throw that in there if you wish. But your thoughts and emotions as you go on this ride to find your missing mom. Uh, now that you've had some time to think about it. Yeah, it's it wasn't unlike other films in, in some ways. Like Nintendo Quest, we didn't know what the ending was going to be. Filming Power of Skull, we really didn't know what the ending was going to be. So you're always mentally hunting for like that that anchor and those pieces to tie something together. And on Missing Mom, it was both as a filmmaker and as an individual who could only do this journey because he was a filmmaker, which allowed him the ability to kind of to go on the adventure. And I couldn't have done it if it wasn't for, for Chris and Jordan, who, you know, had known me for a while at that point, but Jordan had really no idea about my family. And I just kind of said, no, just sit down and, and interview these people. Like, I tried to do an interview right away and within five minutes, Jordan and I looked at each other and said, you better do it because they would refer to me as you like, well, you know what's going on with your mom. Like hey, Jordan, you got, you got to do this. And like Jordan said, it's it separated stuff, but that provided a, a nice medium in, in wall and barrier. F and, and I guess really lens for me to step back and, and hear all this for the first time objectively, as if I almost wasn't in the room in some cases. So it was really strange emotionally for this topic to suddenly be discussed in great length by a lot of great people in a very short amount of time, uh, more so than, of course, had been done in the 25 years leading up to that. And then the the roller coaster of pulling it all together in the edit phase to, to, to see it as a complete story. Uh, from an editing point of view, it was the easiest film I've cut because it was just very clear what had to happen. There was really no guesswork. I think we made one change and that's where we talk about my dad and the relationship I had with him and how that mirrored everything with my mom. My dad was out of my life for 10 years and then came into my life. That was originally at the end of the film or near the end and we moved it up to the beginning, but that was really the only change we made in, in the edit phase. So emotionally it became very hard at every phase because it was, is this who I am? Is this the story? Is this my family? And how are people going to react? And am I going to be ostracized? Was my mother ostracized? Is that why she left? Am I repeating the cycle? And how far can I keep pushing to get the answers that I need? And am I making a circus show out of this family situation? Am I creating drama? Or am I just being honest and showcasing that something everybody out there can relate to and it'll ultimately help them? So I think it was difficult more than anything to stick with my resolve and not give up 
especially as I say, there didn't seem to be an audience for this. Nobody was excited about it. My family didn't want to have anything to do with it, but it felt good. And to constantly keep pushing it was the hardest part. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. You talk about how the frustrations and also the emotions were there when you were trying to edit the film. Was there a thought at some time to maybe hand it over to Jordan or to someone say, maybe you should cut the film at some point in time because of the fact that there might have been too much bias going in or you were worried about that fact? No. <laughs> uh, and again, this is more for filmmaker reasons. One, I knew the footage better than anybody. Two, I had the time to do it. Three, I didn't have the budget. And Jordan was going to be looped in on that process anyways. Both him and uh, his wife, Kyla, saw early cuts and we went around the table a few times on that. And when Jordan comes in on my projects, it's usually for a very short focused amount of time. He parachutes in, he does his work, it's great. And then he kind of goes off on the next convoy and I and I get to live with the material until I can kind of summon Obi-Wan for his wisdom later on. And I think it was very therapeutic for me to be the one editing it and go through it. And, and you would think that it, I would be too close and biased, but it actually bred objectivity staring at these comments that weren't going to change day in and day out. And like I said, because of the, the the nature of the film and the time period and what we filmed, it was very easy to cut things together because there wasn't a lot of options from a narrative point of view to cut things differently. Fair enough, fair enough. The thing that came out of left field for you, the, the thing that most surprised you during the course of this film. Well, that's a major spoiler. I don't know if I can... The second most crazy thing. I'll try to say it without saying it, but when we, when we started to really map out and play detectives, when we uh, figured out that the police, OPP, local police, uh, provincial police, and even the RCMP, because Rob hasn't mentioned specifically in this interview that his brother is RCMP, we weren't going to get any help from any one of those groups. And that surprised us at least initially until his brother kind of gave us perspective on that and let us know that we couldn't prove to the authorities that his mom wanted to be found. And privacy laws in Canada are, are really tight these days. So they weren't about to tell us, even if they knew where she was. So we were on our own. And when we started to sit down and really map out how we were going to start looking, I mean, it was crazy. She could have been anywhere. It had been 25 years. So she could have been living in you know, Honolulu, Asia. Anything could have happened. She we could be dead. Of, she could, you know, oh, you know easily. she was alive. Yeah. So, yeah. so we had no idea. And uh, the, the biggest shock for me was what happened just days into our 
our big search. And that really gave the, the film a, a dramatic turn. And then we were able to zero in on that discovery and then just push full force towards it. So that was great. That and then all of the contradictory stories and opinions on who his mother was and the kind of person that she was. We would ask profiling questions about who this person was. And everybody had a slightly different version of who she was. So I would kind of chuckle that his mother sounded like, you know, a character from a James Bond movie because she could do everything and was everything to everyone. And when we started to put a profile of her together that we could ask people, you know, have you seen someone that would match all of these criteria? She was an impressive woman on paper. So all of that stuff was really, really fascinating. And then ultimately how it all wove, wove together for the end was really satisfactory. And it seems to be for many, many viewers as well. Again, it is available now right now on Amazon Prime or Amazon HD. Just got to check it out, rent it, buy it, or just watch it if you have Prime already. It is Missing Mom, a documentary. It is truly a special one. I've reviewed it. It's available. That's out there on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Well, I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at the many, many reviews. And you and I were talking about it, Rob. The number of reviews alone mirror some of the actual larger budget AAA pictures that are out there that have that kind of response. What do you attribute that to as far as the large response from Amazon? And when did you start noticing that it was, that was actually getting to be so big on Amazon Prime? I really didn't notice that people were commenting in any way until, I don't know, four or five weeks of it being available on Amazon. It strikes me that people want to talk about this film, either the the actual craft of the film itself or, or this story. And you usually fall into either of those camps. Either people have a problem with the way the film was made or they uh, want to talk about how inspiring the content was. So there is very much a form versus content discussion going online. Uh, in the most part, uh, whether you're pro or con on either side of those. Uh, and I mean, to be honest, like, uh, like you just asked Jordan, what's the most surprising thing? I think that has been the most surprising thing. Again, in the face of not hearing too much about people interested in this film outside of our circle, to have people sit there and chime in through the reviews and, and reach out to us uh, almost daily about their thoughts on the film has been really really interesting it has been indeed and i i noticed it as far as the traffic for my review it just came out of nowhere it was actually dormant for a long time and there was no movement on it no no volume so i kind of ignored it when you made it me aware of it and asked me you know how was the volume as far as the traffic on on my review because i i guess i have one of the few reviews that are out there as far as from the press standpoint and it's to see the last six months and just see it skyrocketing the way it has is just i'm hoping that that has mirrored with the movie as well on amazon and from all appearances from both what i've heard from you jordan and also you rob that that it's done very well on amazon since it's since it's gone out on that format yeah we've been very lucky uh a lot of people have been watching it there's a lot of minutes streamed for sure and uh yeah, it's <laughs> every day I wake up and think, okay, is it over yet? Nope, not over yet. Keep going, which is much like the film itself, where you just keep pushing day after day after day, and you know it, it'll be what it is. 
So what do you want to go first as far as from these, these numerous uh, responses and reviews that are on Amazon? Guys, I, I have so many different comments to start off with. I mean, there's heartfelt and genuine, great documentary, a rare achievement. This uh, film is exactly like Avengers Affinity War, five exactly. stars. I, I, I see the story often, but in itself, it was a great telling. Uh, spoiler alert, do not read before watching the movie. But there's so many great comments that are that are out there. Uh, well, I, there, there are two that, that stick with me. One, my favorite one, was I've watched a lot of movies and true crime and documentaries, and I can tell a fabricated piece of cinema when I see it. I wish that Jordan and I were clever enough to make this up and that this wasn't my life, so to speak. But it's it's just not the work of fiction. I mean, we, would, add, me, we, we would have added so much more if it was fiction. And uh, I can't imagine the colossal amount of uh, additional work involved in trying to fake everything. But that's occasionally there'll be a review that rolls in that says that it's all been faked somehow. And I just have to laugh hysterically. They just can't possibly imagine like the work involved in doing that. This was a very small, modestly budgeted film. So everything is really raw, really honest. And we didn't have the budget to hide anything. It's all, it's all right there on the screen. I think those reviews are just not even taken seriously. I think they're just put up there just to troll in a lot of cases. And I don't think people are really serious when they make those comments for the most part, but you never know. Somebody maybe just have a, a screw loose out there and just you know say, "Hey, you know, this was all fabricated," because they see everything in in a two dimensional format. But the real story was that this was real. And actually, you know, was talking to Rob during the course of his filming with this and and conversing with him when he was uh, you know through DMs and, and, and messages and whatnot and and knowing firsthand that he went to the lengths that he did that you as well jordan went to the lengths that you did to help make this film a reality i can tell you firsthand that this was not fabricated in any way shape or form so okay just forget the trolling on that i, I know think, there's oh go ahead I'm sorry. i was gonna say i think one of the other things that people mention is and this is just you know a viewer preference they, they find it a very slow burn that you know it takes its time to get where it's going that's a very deliberate choice on on my part when i was crafting it like i said in the edit phase when i decided to make the film i wanted to give everybody like a shotgun seat like a sidecar seat into what it was going to be like to try to go on this mission and i think you feel like you're right along with the group for better or worse, in those moments where it's quiet, in those moments where there is like, you know, a new lead or something going on. And that's just like Jordan said, raw and the reality of the situation. Yeah, there are phone calls because we can't be on the other side of the province of Ontario in, in, the, in the snap of a finger. So we have to capture it any way we can. And some of that stuff, you know, we didn't know how it was going to make it into the film. But when you're making a documentary, content is king. So if you've got somebody on the other end of a phone talking about it, it's better than not having it at all and having to recap it to the camera yourself later or, you know, try to meet up with that person later if, if it makes sense. Like we just didn't know how this was going. So it was really hard to plan for everything that was going to come. So we, you capture everything. And when we were finished shooting the film, we didn't really know we were finished shooting the film or the bulk of it. So we had to tell the story with the pieces that we had available. And it does come across as very raw and like 
this is what we got. Uh, you're along for the ride with us. So this is what we went through. This is what you're going to see. And there were points of time where you had to rush out. You were in Las Vegas at the time and you got some type of news and whatnot. And you just had to rush out at the moment's notice. So I remember that as well. Yeah, there, there was a lot of things like that. There, there are other times where we're trying to get technology on our side to record things in different ways. And uh, technology fails us when we're in the middle of doing one thing and we should only be doing one thing and not trying to do two things at once. And it just gets really convoluted, especially when we have a, there was really only three of us on the production side of it. There was Jordan, myself, and our, uh, our main camera operator, Ryan Danizuski. So a lot of it I'm filming with, you know, my iPhone or, or Ryan's filming with one camera, or we've set up another camera on a tripod just to have an alternate angle. There is not a lot going on production wise, but we're just trying to collect as much as we can in the best way that we can. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Well, it's obviously related to a great film. And it's so many different five-star reviews. I, I see well over, you know, combined with four and five stars, there's well over 70% there. And that's a tribute to what you guys are doing so well in this film. Because, you know, you see IMDb, you see Amazon, you see people just love to list lower ratings just at any given point in time and, and bring things down. But to see a nice rating for this film is, is duly warranted and just greatly appreciated by you guys and so many others as well that, that were involved with the film. I like the one that says, this is a perfect documentary for fans of Unsolved Mysteries. They really connected with it because they like that mystery format of are you going to be able to pick up and gather enough clues in the process of trying to find your mom. But there's so many better than expected, wonderful film, held my interest all the way through. And that's something important as far as when you're creating a film, can I hold the audience's interest all the way through? And tell me about that process when, when you were thinking about laying it out and how you were laying out that process. Well, if there was any part of it that was easy, it was that we were fascinated every step along the way. So we were fueled every single day by new discoveries and new stories coming in. All we had to do really, like Rob was alluding to, was keep a camera on our shoulder and capture as much of it as we possibly could. There was literally never a dull moment. And there were a couple of really explosive ones in there where we just got freaked out and would pile into a van or whatever and drive. And as he was saying, we were shooting with our cell phones. We were doing our best to capture every second along the way because we did not know what was coming. So ultimately, we just had to assemble it in a manner that gave the audience the same kind of ride that we had. The rule of thumb that I've had with this stuff is if you think it's cool or interesting or noteworthy, that's exactly how it's going to appear in the film. If by any reason, because you will give it the attention that it needs because you feel it's cool, interesting, or noteworthy. You're going to do something unconsciously that elevates that piece that you're selecting. And I think once you lay out those those initial gut feelings and then you start to refine to the ones that matter the most and that aren't just cool to you as a person, but are cool or important to everybody, 
then that's when you start to know that the film is working in an editorial kind of sense. Well, I'll tell you what, it's see in the responses and not only that, I mean, this past Mother's Day, uh, you see a response here that somebody watched it on Mother's Day and they commented that they watched it that day and it's an incredible gift. This was a beautiful documentary of a journey to find a missing parent. I was touched by the honesty and openness of the family members and the willingness to help Rob and his brother Chris find their mother. For anyone who has missed out in a parent's love and presence in their lives, this documentary should give you hope. And love and prayers to your family, Rob, and, and all that. So AAA that gave that review as he or she watched it on Mother's Day. And like you said, it's those kind of resonating comments that make it worthwhile to, in watching this film. But there are a lot of questions, too, I'm sure that you've been asked about the film, guys, over the course of the past couple of years, besides the obvious one, of course. Jordan, what are some of the questions that have stuck out to you as far as what's been related and, and how best do you answer them when you talk to people about it? Well, we both made narrative films as well. And the biggest difference between a narrative film, like you'd see, like Avengers and this, is that a regular narrative film, you're engineering the ending. You know how it's going to end. It's got a nice, tidy bookend. And then, you know, you get on with your regular life. But in a doc, you're dealing with real people. And real people's lives are way bigger than can be contained in a film. And they're way messier, too. So often it's questions about what happened after the film was done. And it continues to be a messy story. It's just really, really fascinating. So it's hard to create a, a tidy sound out about what that's like. But every little detail that gets out and people absorb seems to inspire, again, some kind of an emotional response from them about how they might change uh, their opinion of a relative or reach out to somebody that they haven't communicated to in a long time. There seems to be a lot of healing involved and just people kind of searching within themselves for things that they feel they're missing. So I don't know. It's, it's just not a tidy subject to talk about. I, I would definitely echo that. Everybody, you know, has wanted to know what's gone on since then, especially since the film played in festivals about two years ago now. They want to know what's happened next, almost like, you know, what's the next episode? You know, where where is it going? Which on one hand signals like their interest in it and their and their curiosity about how things have progressed and how the events of the film have have rippled on. And my brother and I always joked, well, we'll do a sequel and it'll be, you know, the mom strikes back or revenge of the mom or return of the mom will be the third one or, or something like that. Whether the family is willing to participate is a whole nother matter. Like Jordan says, it's not tidy. There's never going to be like an end point to this because the family will go on and events that transpired that we discuss in the film and the way things rolled out are going to continue to ripple on for generations. I don't think like this, phenomenon that happened in my family is going to die as a result of what we discover and don't discover and answers and questions that we have from the film that we made. It's only going to bring them up more and, and keep the family kind of phenomenon going. And as it reaches more people, they're getting inspired and they're asking their own questions and they're getting answers that are either satisfying or not satisfying them. And it's rippling out that way as well. So as much as I would like to turn the cameras back on and show people what has happened in the last two years it's not going to answer that burning question because reality is there is no satisfying answers you know there's only more questions and that's the way it's always going to be it 
it is missing mom if you get a chance please check it out today on amazon prime or even if you don't have amazon prime you can also check it out on amazon by renting it for just a couple of dollars or actually purchasing it for five dollars on a full hd stream are there any other avenues i thought vimeo one time had it are there any other avenues that you can actually catch the film as well it's on Vimeo as well, Vimeo On Demand, but Amazon Prime is, is where we're getting most of our traffic. And when you go there and watch the film, be sure to rate it five stars because it makes the difference with it populating and appearing in other people's recommendation lists and, and them having a chance to see it. It makes a huge difference to independent artists like myself and ultimately allows Jordan and myself to continue working and crafting independent films. So the more that people watch this, and if you have Amazon Prime, you know, it's like watching it for free. Give it a watch. Watching it definitely helps, but go and rate it five stars and share your thoughts and join the discussion. As creators, we can't respond to any reviews, so it's a one-way street, but we get to do fun things like this to talk about the films, what worked, what was interesting, and uh, where we are two years later. And if you feel compelled to actually at any point in time want a direct contact, you can always get a hold of Rob McCallum on robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and at Rob McZob on Twitter. Jordan, do you have any actual social media outlets that, that you have people can contact you directly on for the film? Yeah, I'm actually a screenwriting instructor locally up here in uh, southwestern Ontario. So I've got my own website called uh, sighthoundstudio.com. You can find me there and communicate with me there. I'm on Facebook as well, just Jordan Morris. Yeah, and I'd love to hear from people as well. And you can also send your questions in to us here at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. And we'll actually, on our Cosmic Crossfire segments that we do almost twice a week on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel, as far as our Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse shows, we can actually comment on that. I can bring it up to him if you wish. And that's all you have to do is just get a hold of us in any one of those fashions. It's just been such a pleasure having you on the show, talking about this great film and documentary. Appreciate you both for what you guys did and give you much appreciation for everything you do as far as Missing Mom and the great response that you got from it. Well, thanks very much. We appreciate that. And thanks for taking the time to uh, chat with us more in depth than we have as we regularly do. Absolutely. And, and again, it's Missing Mom on Amazon. You got to catch it today. It is well worth your time in so many different ways. You got to check it out today. Amazon.com. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it so much for being part of the special Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs>